Hey, this is Kevin Bigley playing Luke in Upload, and uh, I'm talking to Elias on the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. You with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the man cave, your host, Elias. Kevin, welcome to the cave. No, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. How are you, man? What's new with you? I'm I'm good. Uh, I don't know what's new. It seems like every day (laughs) is kind of the same right now. Right. I was listening to this in like 2021. I mean, tell me how it goes, but right, <laughs> right now, right at the moment, just hanging out. How's uh, how's quarantine life treating you? It's okay. I mean, you know, I have good days and bad days. Mostly good days now. I mean, relatively, it's all relative and subjective. But yeah, I've been um been doing like a little bit of writing, and some, I've been getting back to reading. There was a time which, like, when this first hit, I, I felt like I couldn't really focus on um, on like reading books and whatnot, which I tend to do a lot of. Uh, but uh, I've been playing a lot of guitar. That's been helping. So uh, yeah, I feel like I'm slowly getting my bearings a little bit back, where I'm not like paralyzed by the news and whether it's good or bad. Right, right. You just get, we just got every day is a new day. We just, we're hopefully we're almost there, but I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's really, it's really kind of tough, and it's. Yeah, I think it's just like my endurance for certain things isn't as high. I don't mean to bring it down, but like, uh, you know, I I'm slowly getting it back. Like I'm working my endurance back up to those things, and it's just funny because it's like you read a book about something where. You know, the, even if the plot is it has turned against the characters and things are looking a little grim for them, you're like, well, at least it's not a pandemic. So it like puts everything <laughs> in perspective right, right. and kind of finds uh, it's making it a little bit more difficult to create tension and conflict in some of the stuff I've been reading or watching. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So, man, you've been busy the last few years. You know, you've done various TV show appearances, and you recently now start on Amazon's Upload, and we'll talk about that. But for the listeners, uh, where are you originally from? I'm from Northern California, um, the Sutter County area, so like north of Sacramento. I have to preface it quite a bit, um, start small and grow out, because it's just kind of a, a an area that not a lot of people uh, know about. Um, it's definitely a weirdly overlooked area. Um, it's, it's kind of a blue collar section. There's a lot of like Southern accents. It's kind of this portal to like Dust Bowl, um, Dust Bowl era and, uh, and kind of the, weirdly the South. I mean, it's just kind of a strange thing that you would never, a, a little pocket that you would never expect. Yeah. to be in California. So I moved from around there, spent some time in Oregon, and I spent some time in San Francisco, and then uh, I went to college in Chicago um, for theater. So I've definitely moved around a lot, but mm. I probably would say roots are based in Central Valley, California. So like, uh, as a kid growing up there, uh, who were you into? I was in all, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I we had like about three quarters of an acre we had a little mobile home that sat on the property. So I spent my time like kind of like zeroing in on a tree and being like, I'm climbing that today. So that's what I was <laughs> really into. Uh, I don't know. I, I, was, I did 4-H, raised a pig. We kind of did a little bit of 
um, like I guess ranching a little bit. Didn't really come natural to me. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a lifestyle I wanted, but um, I didn't really get into acting until I was about 14 and um, kind of found found my thing and found something I was good at. So, um, but yeah, I was I was just like any kind of other happy-go-lucky kid who's running around outside, probably getting too much sun. So like, so you said you were around 14 when you really started getting into acting. Like, uh, so what, like, what made you get into that? Was there a certain movie or TV show you were watching one day and you were like, man. I mean, there were certainly a lot of, a lot of movies and TV. It's like the funny kid in school is just a kid who's good at memorization. I think like I, I was just really good with memorizing like little bits and forming them. I guess I had that, that I had that thing too, that, that um, not class clowns tend to have, but I, maybe they do. But for me specifically, I wasn't class clown, but I was the kid who would watch like premium blends and stand up specials and remember yeah. jokes and, and stuff. And so I was kind of, uh, I was, I was like the wind up monkey, you know, like some, some kids on the playground would be like, Hey Kevin, do that bit from Saturday Night Live or blah, blah, blah. you know, and you just shamelessly launch into it and you're, Farley impression at 11 years old so like that that was like my my thing you know um so, and that kind of naturally um lends itself to performing live which at that age most kids uh you know really they fear public speaking so I was excited for that kind of stuff and um and I was fairly okay at it or at least that was the response I was getting and you know when you're a kid and all of a sudden you get a response from adults that um, is positive and, and uh, it, it, it's kind of affirming and you go oh yeah I can do that so that's I did a Shakespeare play when I was in eighth grade that um, was uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and uh, I played like the role that most kids play who are kind of the ham which is uh, uh, Nick right. Bottom was a comical character and um, I got a lot of laughs and all that stuff so it really gave me a lot of confidence and a kid who was kind of just a you know, B students, um, I wasn't necessarily, while I was kind of, I was smart, but I was one of those smart kids that was not good with school, if that makes sense. I was like, oh yeah, sarcastic, I was witty, I was quick, um, or at least I'd like to think so, uh, both then and now. But uh, yeah, I, I thought I had, I thought that my skills lent, them, uh, lent themselves to outside of academia, so. Um, I just kind of started focusing on what I could do to get better at one of the only things I felt I was really good at. So like when you told your family you wanted, this is what you wanted to do, like how did that go? What was their reaction? You know, I think the cliche would be that they would have been opposed, but my parents were like strangely aggressively supportive. Um, and, and, and it was not what you would expect. Like I think I'm from the, from a blue collar background my dad worked uh, as a hod carrier so using construction working in plaster and concrete and whatnot my mom had got her start doing a lot of reception work like i said we lived in a trailer like a mobile and you know they, they wouldn't necessarily be the parents that would be understanding of like a kid who's like i want to be an artist but like um, yeah. they they were they actually uh, they thought it was pretty cool so um you know they really they they supported me uh, when we were living in San Francisco, I was going to a uh, little art school. The art school, it's not like fame, but it was definitely like, it was, it's a school called School of the Arts in San Francisco. It's kind of like a grungy art school where 
a lot of the competitive uh, the school district of San Francisco, you know, these parents are really they're really nervous about their kids getting lost in the quote unquote sim system. So they would put them at this art school and just like pick something, you know, <laughs> paint or whatever. Right. So I was, I was in the, I was in this like the quote unquote rejects, I suppose. So um, basically my parents supported me anyway. And they were like, you should, uh, you should maybe go out for some commercials. And I was like, yeah, kind of want to just keep trying to get better or whatever. So they were strangely supported. Like, where did you where, where did you go to college to study uh acting went to college at DePaul University in Chicago um I uh, being in San Francisco there were a few kids that went to DePaul and they'd come back to like do the talk back to juniors and seniors and they were like uh this is a really good program Chicago is not only a great city but it it's a good acting city there's some there's some really good black box theaters and at the time um it, it was very appealing to me to like maybe just go to college for four years and see if I could end up in like a small repertory theater doing Shakespeare, which yeah. I really liked, or doing little black box stuff and jump from show to show and be a waiter for the rest of my life. It's kind of like, that's probably, that's the reality. So I'll probably just do that, you know? Um, so I went over to, I, I auditioned, got in and went to, um, went to DePaul. So I spent four years there graduated and then I, I stayed out in Chicago for a year doing that exact thing working in restaurants and bars and doing some small black box theater um wow. so yeah so uh, what so what pushed you to come back to towards a uh, LA I mean I wanted to do film and television I think it was really frustrating for me as um as an actor because I was really tired of playing people outside of my age, uh, which is something that you do a lot of right. in college because it's a casting pool and they have these plays. Most of the plays aren't, aren't built for early 20 year olds because they're really not that interesting. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like uh, Tennessee Williams wasn't writing a lot of plays about like being 19 and trying to figure yourself out. So, um, what happens a lot of the time is you do plays where you're playing a 35 year old or something and it's just kind of frustrating and um film and television appealing because there were all these parts that i felt like i could where i could kind of bring myself to it a lot more compared to like lathering myself with old man like makeup and acting like i'm a geriatric 85 year old and you know um in the tempest or something so i i you know I just wanted to start doing more um, specifically comedy because that was severely lacking a lot of theater that was that I was going out for. And um, I started getting some parts. And the frustrating thing again with this was that in Chicago, it kind of balances out that you can do theater and you can do film and television, but you can't really do them at the same time unless they're unless one of them's paying for you to do it. Mm. And what I mean is that during the day, a lot of my auditions would have been for film and television. But then for theater, if I was in a show, you're performing at night. So when are you supposed to have a job that's going to get you by? You kind of have to pick theater or film and television. And, um, you know, I was started to, I started to book some little roles, film television stuff. And 
specifically, I got a pilot that was um, a pilot presentation. So it's just like a snippet, like, you know, like a 10 to 15 minute pilot um, uh, for Fox. And it was written, directed by Vince Vaughn. And uh, it was a big moment for me. I was like the lead in it, one of them co-lead. And uh, pilot didn't go, but he was great. And um, he it kind of pushed me to move out to LA. He was like, you know, it's not going, you know, we're not going to get picked up, but man, you're, you, you got the, you know, whatever it is, you can do it. And I believe in you and you should go out there and give it a shot. So I did. So I moved oh, out in so. 2010, been out here 10 years. So I mentioned you've done a lot of like, you know, TV shows, stuff like that. One of my favorites a few years ago was Sirens. Yeah. Man. <laughs> nice. and, and I was so, me and my wife were bummed. When that show got canceled yeah. after two seasons, it was like, how was it like being on a show like that? It's it, it was just such a crazy, wonderful um, success of mine that uh, you know I, I I got that. I think I booked that when I was twenty five, about to turn twenty six for the pilot, which is crazy, you know, to like get get a to get a pilot that then gets picked up and you're. Uh, heading into that first season, I mean, I, I had worked valet for a while, so I got to quit my day job, and you know, there was a lot of big things that happened because of it for me, and uh, gave me a career, and not only a career, it gave me some really good friends. I got to go back to Chicago, which was a surreal experience to go back to the city where you, you just graduated college, you know, um, and, and you're like debating when you're in Chicago, like, do I move to LA, like, and 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 there's so many people in Chicago or through no fault of their own that I knew who were like, don't do it. And, you know, I'm going to wait until I book something that, uh, that films in LA that brings me out there. And there's so much work here in Chicago. And while that was true, I made the jump, like I said, and a few years later, <laughs> and you, back get, there. You, you book a job that sends you <laughs> back to Chicago. It was amazing. It was like, Oh, I guess it, my risk paid off, and uh, and yeah, I, I also gained a lot of friends. Like I said, with um, I mean, not only the writers who were at my wedding, you know, um, Mike Mosley. I, I learned so much from Mike. At, you know, him being uh, playing Johnny and being the number one on the call sheet. I learned what it's like to be a leader of a show, and um, and I learned a lot about press. You know, and 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 getting better at it, and. Uh, and I, Bob Fisher and Dennis Leary are two very close friends of mine, especially Bob, who I talk to all the time. So, um, he, he wrote Wedding Crashers. He officiated my wedding. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, which actually, it happened during season two. So it was just a big moment for me. And I, I really gained so much out of it. I was really down when it, when it, it got canceled, it was kind of an existential crisis of mine in which it was like, wow, um, you know, uh, this thing is gone now and I have to go back to the drawing board and you're going out for other shows and auditioning and stuff. And you realize that, um, they don't really come along that often where you're on one that you really like, you like people you like, and it's, and it's good and it's funny and it's fun and they respect you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to, 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 to get that again. So it kind of felt like a Sisyphusian, task of like pushing that boulder up the hill and that's just kind of going to be the career you know mm. but now you're on amazon's upload and you play luke yeah 
Yes, I do. Yeah. So tell us about that, man. Tell us about like, first tell us about briefly what the show is about for the listeners that haven't watched it yet. Oh man, so bad at this. Okay. So describing this show is crazy because like I've, we we did the table read for the pilot episode in December of 2017. So I've definitely been sitting on this a long time and it's a hard show to explain. Um, so I have spent like the past, you know, two and a half years explaining it to my family and friends and loved ones to really no success because then it came out and they were like, why didn't you tell us that it was funny? It was like, I can't try. <laughs> so uh, it's about um, basically it takes place in 2033. We have the technology to upload someone's consciousness to an afterlife uh, moments before they die. So you can either die natural death or you can take the guarantee and be uploaded to an afterlife, but it's kind of like a cell phone plan. Um, you know, you have, you have a company that you're tied to. So this one's a company called horizon and you're uploaded to, uh, like this, this like lodge of this beautiful hotel that feels like kind of Vermont, you know, like in, in, in like in these just beautiful trees and whatnot. And there's all these, wonderful things like endless food and all that but you quickly realize that it has a, a big minority report vibe in which you know there's in there's there's in-app purchases and everything costs a lot of money so it's like you're being nickels and dimes so it's not really the utopia that it's made out to be so it's, it's kind of like a cool little critique on extreme capitalism and there's a little bit of like you know about mourning and um it's also very funny uh at least i think so so it's a it's a cool quirky show and greg daniels did it he did parks and rec and he did the office so it certainly has kind of his quirk yeah slash heart brand on it that i think is cool what was your reaction when you first read the script before you you went for your, your audition uh, I, I was like, I, I have to be on this, you know, um, this is like kind of my ideal show. I really wanted to work on something that was high concept and I wanted to work on something that was a little bit closer to myself. Not that Luke is an exact carbon copy of me as a human being, but, uh, Brian, my character that I played in Sirens wasn't necessarily that close to me either. You know, um, he's kind of a goob and certainly not a part of who I am, but like, I, I, I have a bit more edge to me than Brian. So to be able to play, uh, somebody who felt a little bit closer was, was, uh, an opportunity that I wanted to jump on, but also I really wanted to work with Greg. I did a pilot with him back in 2012 for NBC and it had like Tony Shalhoub and Allison Janney and Gil Ozeri and Aya Cash. I mean, just a knockout cast. And it was one of those pilots. It was like the pilot of the pilot season that was like, oh, that's a guarantee. And it's gonna, the guy who did Parks and Rec in the office, this is going to be a big hit. Um, and it, it didn't go. And it, I had to go back to work for my valet job, which was disappointing. But also it, it really saddened me to lose out on the opportunity to get to work with Greg on a full season of television. So to be able to uh, be granted that opportunity this time around was something that I relished. Um, so when I went in for that audition, I was nervous. <laughs> uh, because I wanted to nail it and I really wanted the part. Um, but also I went in as a, as a recurring, um, 
you know, Greg had told me in the audition, he was like, you know, if you get this and she's pilot and all that, but it's, it's kind of like, I'm building an ensemble and we're going to kind of figure out who we want these people to go on adventures with, you know, how we pair people up. That's kind of the idea of the show. Mm. Um, there's an opportunity, there's an opportunity for you to, you know, do a good job and your part will grow, but at the same time, it might not, it just might not work out. There's people in the pilot that you don't really see return, you know? So I, it was, a, I was at risk of becoming, that which um, they all did a good job but you know it just didn't fit his vision so i was happy to be a part of that mm -hmm. now we mentioned you play luke on the show like so how like how would you how would you describe him yeah i you know luke's kind of like this gruff irritable guy but really a total softy underneath so really i felt like he was kind of this labrador um when it comes to following Robbie Amell plays Nathan, just like following him around, yeah. wanting to, and insisting that he be Nathan's best friend and doing everything he can to prove that. Also, it's just so funny to me that there's this universe that Greg created of uh, characters who are faced with the real existential idea of continuing on with consciousness after, after quote unquote, after death, right? They're like alive. And um, some like people like Nathan are kind of figuring out who are they without work as an identity and, um, and how do they keep growing? Do they keep growing or whatever? And then there's Luke and Luke doesn't really concern himself with such um, uh, heightened thought. He's just more concerned with hacking the universe to get some of the premium shit. And uh, how can he get drunk? How can he have sex? How can he, uh, get into an area where he's not allowed. It's like when I put my dog outside, my dog's kind of a troublemaker and um, <laughs> we have a little backyard and whenever I put her outside, it's like, look at all this space. You can go over here and here and here. And she will search out the hole in the fence. You know, it's like, this isn't good enough. And that's what Luke is to me, like a, a character who's like, where am I not supposed to be? And I'm going to figure out how I can get there. Did you find like any like challenges, like, portraying this character or connecting with him at all you think you know i don't think i did necessarily i know that sounds kind of cocky i don't think so because it was really kind of tailor-made for me greg greg and the writers you know they they brought us in and and uh we talked to the writers and we got lunch and stuff and they also watched your reel and they watch your work and they know what kind of jokes feel good coming out of your mouth and stuff. So there was a lot of stuff that, you know, was kind of built for us to succeed. Um, I, I would say that the, the biggest struggle I had personally as an actor with this was trying to, trying to overcome my reverence of Greg because I put him on a pedestal because I, I want to impress him. And I've worked with showrunners like Bob, like when I worked with Bob Fisher, after I do a take of something, I will um, go up to Bob. You know, I did the Moody's with him. I can come up to him and he'll give me a hug. You know, like, he'll be yeah. like, oh my God, you're amazing. That's great. You know, it's just like if, if I'm a Labrador in that situation, it's constant petting. Greg's not going to give you that because um, he's just not really that concerned with, with your ego and 
and, and praise and whatnot. And uh, if it's funny and if it's working or whatever, you're really not going to hear anything. You're only going to hear if it's not working. Um, so I, I kind of, after the first take uh, on my first day, I had gone up to him and I was like, was that good? And he was like, uh, yeah. And I was like, you have any notes? And he was like, no, no. And <laughs> it was such a letdown for me because I was just sitting there spinning my wheels, you know, for no reason. And I was like, dude, you got to relax. Just go sit down in your chair. <laughs> you know, don't, don't worry what that dude's thinking, you know. Um, it'll be all right. You know, you'll, you'll be okay. So mm-hmm. and that was, that was kind of struggle to like cool it, you know, mm-hmm. calm down. What do you think was like your favorite scene that you play Luke in? What uh, what episode? Oh man, so many. I mean, I I, I really liked all of my stuff with Zainab. It was just so so fun. The hot tub stuff was so great. You know, like when we're kind of trading barbs, it's 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 so fun, so easy to work with her. Everyone is so prepared. They're so prepared on that show. So your ability to um, to play to the height of your own ability is, you know, the, 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 that possibility is very high every day. So you don't have to worry about anyone. Are they going to be pain in the ass? Are they going to know their lines? And sometimes, unfortunately, that is the case, but not on the show. With other shows, it might be, but not this. So it was really cool to work with someone like Zainab and, um, and, and Robbie, too. Like, he, he, I, I loved all that stuff. I loved our gray market day. Oh my God. And I mean, when we go into this space and we see all of these booths and stuff, the amount of set decks is just unreal. Set decoration, the little jokes in the background that maybe people won't even see. It was just like, wow. Like the, the attention to detail um, was, was pretty special. Uh, I know Greg's very meticulous when it comes to that stuff and everyone else followed suit. So it just made you feel like you were on this big, big, project and uh, that um was super creative and and uh you know everyone's working really really hard and i think it shows on screen mm-hmm. so like what was the reaction from like your friends and family like when they watched this because like as soon as this got released like the same weekend it got picked up for a season two right away so the hype was pretty good and it like everything just went like fast for you guys yeah it seems like it's gone really fast um the overall reaction has has been pretty strong. It's pretty crazy listening in the, to what people are saying as far as like articles and think pieces that continue to come out and um, and the amount of press that we're doing and uh, press attention uh, for a first season of a comedy. You know, that, that, that's pretty rare. Um, it's really common with, with uh, dramas because they're concept driven usually, but ours has dramatic elements. So um, I don't know, I'm talking to myself in circles, but I, I'd say that with my family and friends, it was awesome for them to finally check it out because I was tired, like I said, of trying to explain this freaking yeah, show. Yeah. So it was nice that they finally saw it and they were like, oh, it's funny. And oh, the, the sci-fi stuff is really cool. Because like I said, we we wrapped shooting uh, on the series, on the, on the uh, first season, May 10th of last year. So we're sitting on this for a whole year and there's all these really cool moments that no one can really understand when I try to relay the information. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, like even my own wife, she hadn't seen a frame of it until later. So 
um, uh, until like March, she hadn't seen the show. So it was really frustrating and, and, um, and I, you had to really be patient. So I was really happy for people to finally check it out. Have they given you guys, I know like with, all, with everything that's been going on, have they even mentioned when they think season two might start filming? Um, there's rumors of all sorts of things, you know, like I'm hearing little bits and pieces, but I think we're kind of stuck in the same realm that everyone else is as far as like, uh, I, I saw, you know, the guys from This Is Us talking about fall and that would be really cool and the summer would be cool. Um, I, I, I think that and I speak not for upload, but for production as a whole, for everybody, it seems like the vaccine is uh, something that would be great. And uh, I hope that we get it by January, but I think people are going to try to, to feel out when we, when we can treat it as a new normal, at least right. temporarily to, yeah. to get back to work. So hopefully, hopefully soon, man, I don't know. We'll be ready and raring. They, right. they, started the writer's room at least i can say this they started the writer's room back in february um which is something that happened happened for a show that i did called undone uh for amazon as well and um and that had a nice little successful season one but for a high concept shows sometimes they get a jump on it and get ahead of the game they'll grant the ability to, ha to staff a writer's room for a season two ahead of time uh even without a decision on season two. So they've been writing for like three months. Um, so it, it's nice that the work wasn't for naught. And uh, and they they gave us the thumbs up. So now they're kind of in overdrive, you know, um, kind of getting ready for once we can go back. So hopefully, and that's hopefully. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you know, I guess you've been acting for, how many years now you've been in the entertainment industry? I guess like professionally 10 years, wow. a little over right. 10. So like, what do you like, I, I like asking this question. What do you enjoy more self tape or auditioning in front of people? Oh, that's a good question. I actually like, I, I actually like auditioning in front of people, but only for callbacks. I'd say like not having producers in the room um, and going in uh, like for the pre-screen kind of thing. It's, you know, Sometimes I have some worse stories like everybody does. And uh, there are certainly some things that are frustrating and things you don't like or want to do. And um, that in that, in that regard, a self-tape's good. But man, sometimes I just don't do well on self-tapes because the stress isn't the same. And maybe the stress kind of brings out some good stuff from me. Um, my wife, my wife is an actor too, um, Kate Cobb. And, is her name and she she does great with self-tape she books way more uh on self-tape than i do for sure so she loves it but for me uh i'd rather just jump right to the callback <laughs> like anybody would but uh yeah. I, I i just feel like you can feel whether or not they're interested on yeah. that yeah. what's your what's your routine when you right before you go and do a, an audition live like some people do some weird things you know I, i've had a guest where they're like oh i take a nap before i go or i go for a run or a walk like is there anything that you do i kind of just drill the lines i have like um uh, i think it's i don't know the name of the app i think it's line memo or something um i usually when i shoot too i just kind of run the scenes over and over and over again because my biggest concern is whether or not the lines are going to work you know that they're going to that i'm just going to get in there blank so i do that i just run it over and over and over again i try to chill myself out not freak out 
sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but, you know, I haven't auditioned in a, in, I mean, before Upload, it was a lot. But once you get on a show, and I got up to regular in 2018, um, they kind of, it's not that they stop, but they become different. They're not as frequent, and they're for kind of guest parts and stuff. And I haven't had a pilot season in a couple of years. And I say that as a humble brag. But uh, it, it's nice because you don't have to have the same anxiety. So I, I don't really have the routine anymore. It feels just more relaxed, um, you know. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think it's just lines for me, you know. Just yeah, okay. So you mentioned, how, you mentioned how, like, how much you love like comedy and stuff. Is there somebody that you would love to star next to someday? Um, I'd say, you know, besides like the big ones, like um, Bill Murray or something, um, who's like an idol of mine for sure. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite Bill Murray movie? Since you said that, oh, man, it's so hard. But right? I, would, I would honestly say, I mean, you know, the easy one for sure is Ghostbusters. But God, uh, Groundhog Day is one of my one of my favorite movies of all time. He is just spectacular in that, and even like a bit part like he did in Cookie was just like just so so good. And Life Aquatic and Rushmore and all that. I mean, he he just he's like a spirit animal of mine for sure. Um, but Will Forte, man, Will Forte is one of my favorite actors. Um, I love, I love Greg Kinnear. Um, I love Steve Zahn. Uh, you know, like I, I, Danny McBride. I mean, there, there's, there's definitely a, a list of, uh, of people. Maybe they're not, <laughs> Steve Zahn's probably not the most popular of answers, but, <laughs> but to me, it's like, I, that, that dude, I, I love that guy's work and, and uh, he definitely had an impact on me as an actor. Awesome. Do you have like a Do you have a dream role that you kind of hope you could play someday? Um, I don't know about a dream role. I think that uh, you know I, I really like when I get to do some indies and stuff, and 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 uh, and kind of play. It sounds weird, but like play monsters, you know, where you yeah. kind of these, these guys are kind of toxic. It's usually kind of fun. Um, uh, because you get to kind of dive deep into this weird, intricate character. I always like Shakespeare villains because they're usually the better written of the characters. So, um, yeah, I would really, I would, I would love to do something like that. Um, you know, just kind of a, a weird indie. Uh, we we uh, we make our own stuff a lot of times. Me and my wife, and we um, uh, I have a writing partner uh, Ryan Collins, and he and I. I've written a lot of stuff together, and so I think a dr more so a dream role would be something that um, we're trying to make this movie right now. And uh, obviously, there's it's been put on hold because yeah. of the current situation. But next year, it'd be really nice to get it done. But um, uh, yeah, something that I've got to work with my wife, I think, would be the dream. Is there any other like projects that are coming out that you've already finished? Um, you know, we were just about to start shooting on uh undone for season two um and i read some of the scripts for that it's really cool they're they're growing it in a really interesting way and um you know there's still no word on moody's uh season two but um that, that what i'm hearing from that's really cool too because they're still working on it and uh but that isn't official either so yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, I have a lot of work that is kind of like up in the air waiting for when it can continue. 
Yeah. But um, as far as like in the can, no, no, nothing mm-hmm. in the can that's going to come out. Uh, Kevin, lastly, uh, how can the listeners find you on uh, social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kevin Bigley um, and Instagram is at Kevin W. Bigley. So I got a little fancy right. on that. And uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's good for social media. Um, I have a book out. Um, it's a novel that's on Amazon. You can get it it's on bookshop. It's out via clash books. You can get it on clash books as well. Um, they've like it. Hand wrap it's a really nice uh, gesture and they'll send you some bookmarks. But uh, it's called Comaville and uh, it came out in March, just in time for the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to write the book? Uh, it took me about a year and a half. Um, a year and a half to write that. Uh, I've done a lot of short stories for some literary magazines and stuff that was a lot of fun. And it was a very uh, positive, creative outlet for me. Um, and I had this idea for a book there's some there's some some similar themes to upload that I think are, are pretty cool. So if you like some of that kind of high concept stuff, um, that's a little thinky. Uh, I think that you'll dig the uh, dig, I think you'll dig Comaville. Um, but yeah, it's about this dude who uh, about this guy who wakes up in his childhood bedroom and he has no idea how he got there um, and uh, he has no recollection of it. He realizes that this house that he woke up in is in the city and it's a city of memory. And there's like all these people from his past, from his childhood. There's his favorite camp counselor and favorite teachers and kids that he moved away from. Um, and it's, it's a city of memory and nostalgia and it's, they're celebrating. They're happy that he's there. But you find out, not a spoiler because it happens in the second chapter, but he's in a coma. So uh, he's in a coma and it's a split narrative. So half of the book is in his mental state and then the other half is in a hospital room with um his sister and uh their parents and kind of the discussions that are happening in the hospital room chapters in the next chapter in his comaville in the city um you meet these people that are from these memories and stuff but when you're in a coma sometimes your brain can start to um start start to die off you have neurons kind of uh can, can die so what happens is uh, the city starts to warp and it starts to kind of decompose in front of him and turn on him. So uh, it kind of becomes a little twisted, but it's it's a it's funny. I think it's dark and it's weird, but uh, I think it's um I think it's really heartfelt and I worked really hard on it. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, all right, Kevin, this was fun. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate having you. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.